Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesota accents. Yeah. You know it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So I'm Kenyon. I'm Lucy and impressed. Thank you. I'm Amanda. And yeah, all right. And yeah, you remembered your name. Yeah. <laughs> For our Patreon fans who subscribe, you can watch this episode as a video on our Mm -hmm, Patreon, mm -hmm. except my video feed will not be present because we're having some camera difficulties. And also, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to put on makeup. Mm -hmm. You really sold them on that Patreon support. But Lucy and Amanda are there, and normally I'm there. I put makeup on today. Yeah, you look real cute. Thank you. Mm-hmm, so do you. Everybody looks cute except for me. It's fine. It's not so, true. <laughs> you look so. cute behind the the blank screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the photo of my of myself from eight years ago. Yeah. Exactly. Your, your Skype like Isn't profile picture Blortney's looks wedding cute. too. It's, yeah, photo of me is oh, from yeah. Blortney's wedding, which I'm pretty sure was in 2012. I was a while back. <laughs> I think 2015, but I see where your head's at. And We've been it was wrong a long before. time. It was an eternity ago. Yeah, yeah. we anyway. were different people. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. No, okay. it was 2012 because my dad was alive. Mm-hmm. 2012? Yeah. They were married for nine fucking years? They've been married yeah. a long time. Keep up. Jesus. All right. So speaking of classmates and friends, Ooh. we have a very special fan pick this week brought to you by... Lucinda Lutz. Lutz. Lutz to you. I don't know how to say your name. Lucinda, I sent you your wine glass today. Ooh, nice. Thank you for your support. So, Lucinda has selected the topic of killer classmates. Yeah. Which is really dark. Yeah. And also, can I just say right now, we've mm-hmm. always said we will never cover anything like school shootings. And I didn't. There's not I, anything I, fucking funny about that. But yeah. this is like kind of, it. it's not that. There's also FYI. nothing fucking funny about any of the stuff we're covering today either. Well, right. no, but like school shootings are just very fucking. There are certain things we, we've drawn some lines on. Yeah. That's one of them. So there will it's not be. one of be. our oh no nos, as Tom Haverford of Parks and Recreation would mm-hmm. say. Oh, no. Oh, no. no. It's one of my oh, no, no's. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're not doing that. Still doing some dark and sad shit. Mm -hmm. So get ready. I I had to have Prosecco because I needed to cheer myself up after writing my case. But Amanda, (laughs) what is our wine crime pairing for killer classmates? Yes, 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 yes. Our fan picker recommended the Felony Red from Wide River Winery. Uh Uh-huh. Which is based in Iowa. Oh, my yes. gosh. This is an Iowa winery. Oh, so okay. Lucy went to school. And, and lives. Currently. currently. 
<laughs> I was relating it to class. Classes. Oh, okay. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Following the line of logic mm-hmm. in your head. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Clinton. I'm really good at it. <laughs> Today, I'm clearly behind. <laughs> I Wake got it. I got an F on that assignment. Ow. Ow. Oh, it's quite far from me. It's closer to uh, the Quad Cities, if anyone's Sure, 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 sure. Clinton, Iowa, right on the Illinois border. Mm. Yeah. Well, you'll have to go get some. I was not able to find it in Minnesota, but I still wanted to pair this wine and honor the fan picker's recommendation. So I mm-hmm. looked into it. It looks amazing. And the next time I head down to Iowa, I'm totally going to stop and get some. This is a Cabernet Sauvignon. It's fruit forward with a nice dry finish, which is like classic cab. That's my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. It is medium to full body. So it's not like a huge, chewy, robust red, but it can stand up to a steak, a burger. You know, it's a little more flexible. Mm. Um, some of the feedback I saw from folks who enjoyed this wine recommended letting it breathe, which is very common in cabs, especially to expose it to oxygen and let those fruit notes like really pop. And it kind of evens out some of the acidity and it'll still finish nice and dry without like assaulting your palate quite as much. If you let big, robust reds like cabs just breathe for a minute before you drink them. This is also a very well-rated wine, especially for a wine out of the Midwest. It's actually in in the top 36% in the country. We do not make great wine in the Midwest. Let me just- Yeah, I was going to be- We just don't. I'm pretty surprised. We We don't have the terroir. We don't. We do not. (laughs) But Cabernet, Cab Sauv grapes are pretty- pretty robust, pretty strong. They can grow in a lot of climates. So it doesn't surprise me that if we're going to have a pretty highly rated wine out of the Midwest, it's going to be a Cabernet. That just makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. So top 36% in the country and top 6% in Iowa, according to one of my favorite sites, Vivino, mm-hmm. which is like a godsend of a wine Well, there you website. go. Would that make it magna cum laude? Or cum? Oh, I think it's cum laude. Let's say it's cum laude. Mm-hmm. I'd call it cum mega, mega cool loud. Mega cum loudly. <laughs> That's what Amanda graduated as. Yeah, they didn't want to honor that for some reason. I didn't get a sash. Mega come loudly. Had to make my own sash. I bet you did. It was a whole thing. I bet it had rhinestones. (laughs) You are a bit of a rope bunny. I am. And a crafter. I'm vanilla. And a voyeur. Uh, Our kink quiz scores were vastly different. Yeah, everyone take the kink quiz online. <laughs> One of our listeners sent us a, a, a BDSM kink quiz after our, that episode, and we all took it, and we all shared our results, and they were real We desperate. are not the same people in bed as we <laughs> no, are out no, in the no. world. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> The Felony Red is also a cracker, so no tools required to get that one open. And I'm just going to open a different red that I had so that I can crack and enjoy. Nice. Ready up. Yeah. Oh, she mega came loudly. (laughs) Mega come crack. (laughs) I think we need to get you a sash that says mega mega come come loudly. You know with I'll like, wear it. With, like, all the patches yeah. that, like, the valedictorian <laughs> tassels. <laughs> nipple tassels. Done. Oh, Very collegiate nipple tassels. There's got to be a market for that. 
If there is, there isn't. I'll fill it. I'll fill that void. I'm gonna Google graduation nipple tassels. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank While you she for does taking that, that on for me. A chow. And <laughs> Lucy. Oh, well. There are a you couple options for you. you All right, we'll deal with this after after the episode. <laughs> Lucy, I gotta put this away. They're so good. <laughs> what is? What is our background and maybe psych for killer Link me that website real quick. Just link me that website real quick. I was just looking at the top results. It's mostly just nipple tassels, but it brings Nothing came up for collegiate nipple tassels? I did graduation nipple tassels. Okay. Okay. I did search mega cum loudly. And I got, it looks like there aren't many great matches for your search. (laughs) (laughs) So, hmm. You don't see. Hmm. That's discrimination Mm -hmm. against us loud comers. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. I got to move on. I can't help who I am. (laughs) You are authentically you. I am what I am. 100% of the time. I'm what I'm. Okay. A classmate is a fellow member of okay. at school or college, a student who is in the same class at school, a person outside the personal bonds of family with whom one shares a mutual affection. A classmate can also be called a peer, pal, cohort, roommate, sidekick, school child, compatriot, confidant, bosom buddy, ally, familiar, batchmate, contemporary, fellow pupil, bruv. Mm. <laughs> bruv. Bruv. Okay. Bosom buddy. We so sh- we should have been like, we're three bosom buddies. Can you who imagine like if that was our catchphrase? <laughs> oh, chat, true crime. What are we The podcast where three bosom, bosom buddies, buddies. <laughs> chug wine, ch- chart true crime, and look at our old yearbooks. And mm-hmm. go through our old yearbooks. Because that always happens fun, actually. also. It is oh, really my fun. God. That's my favorite it. thing. Looking through old yearbooks and laughing at, like, who's signed whose and, mm-hmm. like, who had a crush on whom. Because yeah. that's always hilarious. That and is also hilarious. looking through our cat encyclopedia when we're really stoned at my parents' house. Yes. <laughs> yes. Also a treat. Yes. Okay. So I know how much we love this. Here is a recent example from the web of the word classmate, which is kind of a roller coaster. So buckle up. Okay. This is from the LA Times. Quote, waiting for him was a high school classmate named Christina, his only prison pal, prison pen pal. (laughs) That is a roller coaster example sentence. They could have done Anything so many else. other things. I just like. I want to end every sentence with his only prison pen pal. <laughs> there could always be more than one. <laughs> this was his only one, Christina. Well, Amazing. there you go. So there's also a social networking service called Classmates.com. Mm. <laughs> this is from Wikipedia. It was founded on November seventeenth, nineteen ninety-five. Wow. Which was kind of shocking to me for a social Very media early. website, social networking service. I wonder if it started as like a message board and chat room. Let me so just was, tell you ooh, how okay. it started. So it started in 95 by Randy Conrad's as Classmates Online Incorporated. 
It originally sought to help users find class members and colleagues from kindergarten, primary school, high school, college workplaces, and the U.S. military. So I'm guessing it was sort of, I'm guessing it mostly benefited at the time, like, People trying to organize class reunions. Mm-hmm. This is because, like early Facebook. Yeah. Because it was 1995. So it was like Turns early, early. Mark Zuckerberg early. invented nothing. Mm. Fuck Zuck. <laughs> Fuck mm-hmm. Zuck. But yeah, it was like a, yeah. Because how, how else would you even fucking go about that? Sure. Pre-internet. Yeah. I don't know how I would do anything anymore. I, I, think, know, right? I, think, I have no tangible skills from the before time. Absolutely not. I think not. people used to like actually like write right. into their schools and be <laughs> yeah. like, hi, I got married. I changed my name. This is oh, my like updated for the newsletter. phone number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hate there that journey. There must have been so many newsletters. I hate that journey mm-hmm. for anyone. Mm-hmm. So much paper. Yeah. So much work. That's mm-hmm. too much. Mm. Anyway. In 2010, CEO Mark Goldston described the transition of the website, quote, to increasingly focus on nostalgic content, Hmm. such as high school yearbooks, movie trailers, music tracks, and photographic images. So basically, what the fuck we do when we get back together. I mean, I would sign on to a social networking site that was limited to just our classmates and people we grew up with mm-hmm. only talking about nostalgic shit uh-huh. yep. and none of their Herbalife or no. QAnon fucking like, bullshit. Remember some 41? Yeah. That'd be a trip. That'd be fun. <laughs> That'd be fun. I would, yeah. I would do that. To this end and to appeal to more older users, the website name was changed to Memory Lane, mm. which included a website redesign. This change was short-lived, however, Classmates dropped the Memory Lane brand in 2011, and apparently there were a number of controversies and subsequent settlements plaguing Mm. the company, including membership auto renewals, fraudulent emails, credit card transactions, and hidden fees. So essentially, their biggest problem was that if you wanted to stop paying for your subscription, you can't. It's you a planet fitness. Can't. You have yeah. to go to the college in person and yeah. tell them why you don't want to pay for it anymore. Kind yeah. of, yes. Yeah. So oh, they God. got kind of in yeah. trouble for that, which they should have. So, mm-hmm. okay, moving on from classmates.com because that was kind of a far reach. I think I mentioned the dark triad in the last episode that we recorded Mm -hmm. or maybe one of the last episodes we recorded. And now I have another, albeit problematic, triad for you, which I'm confident that we've mentioned before regarding children, like maybe in the Killer Kids episode. This obviously presumably refers to students and classmates, so I'm just going to say it works because I didn't have a whole lot to go on. Sure. In terms of this topic. So I'm going to tell you today about the McDonald triad. Hmm. The McTriad? Yeah, the (laughs) McTriad. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, what? It's a three-piece McTriad. Now on the dollar menu at (laughs) McDonald's. Yep. Mm -hmm. Just a three-piece on a six-piece? Very stinch. Well, it's a triad. Mm -hmm. It's only three pieces. Keep up. (laughs) It's less than a dollar. It comes with a small fry. Oh, and a word. toy. And a toy. So the oh, McTriad fun. refers to the idea that there are three signs that can indicate whether someone will grow up to be a serial killer 
or Ooh. other kind of violent criminal. So oh, these, right. We have talked about this. We've mm-hmm. definitely talked about this. But I'm going to go a little bit more in depth. Okay. Um, so those three things are being cruel or abusive to animals, especially pets. Mm-hmm. Setting fire to objects or otherwise committing minor acts of arson. And regularly wetting the bed, which is known as enuresis, and this is uh, beyond the age of five. Mm-hmm. And we'll okay. kind of get into like what regular. Mm-hmm. We'll get into the enuresis a little bit more. Further studies have suggested that these behaviors are actually more linked to childhood experiences of parental neglect brutality or abuse see i was just gonna say that that the Mm -hmm. bedwetting is to me feels more like a sign of trauma or like the kid is like anxious and going through something totally so i'm going other two which feel more proactive exactly the other two are behavioral rather than like Mm -hmm. something psychological and we'll cut we'll i will get into this because i know we've touched on it but there is a reason it's it's problematic when it comes to like modern psychology and like Mm -hmm. criminal profiling. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. So some argue that this in turn results in homicidal proneness and the triad concept as a particular combination of behaviors linked to violence may not have any particular validity. So like I said, take this with a very large dose of skepticism. Mm -hmm. We will get to it. According to a 2004 report, Arson or fire setting is theorized to be a less severe or first shot at releasing aggression. Mm -hmm. Extensive periods of humiliation have been found to be present in the childhoods of several adult serial killers. And also we talk a lot about serial killers in this. Like, yes, it's important to consider serial killers, but it's also just it's essentially referring to just future violent behaviors. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. don't take serial killers as yeah. a term to right. say Not just either. serial killers, but just other, yeah. Right. Violence. These repetitive episodes of humiliation can lead to feelings of frustration and anger, which need to somehow be released in order to return to a normal state of self-worth. Hmm. However, the triad combination has been questioned in this regard also, and a review has suggested that this behavior is just one that can occur in the context of childhood antisocial behavior and isn't necessarily predictive of later violence. I feel like I couch this whole concept like a lot in these notes. Right, so right. Just, just, just little brief reminders. Just mm-hmm. couch it. It's all couch. I'm, ca- I'm couching it. I'm a couch potato. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a couch Davenport. It, <laughs> it is a Davenport. Oh, my God. Davenport is close to where that winery is that we oh. paired this episode with. Okay. Just saying. FBI Special Agent Alan Brantley believed that some offenders kill animals as a rehearsal for killing human victims. Mm -hmm. Cruelty to animals is mainly used to vent frustration and anger the same way that fire setting is. Mm. Extensive amounts of humiliation were also found in the childhoods of children who engaged in acts of cruelty to animals. During childhood, serial killers could not retaliate to those who caused them humiliation. Mm-hmm. So they chose animals because they were viewed as weak and vulnerable. And like I said, specifically pets. Mm-hmm. So your own pet would be obedient right. and would listen to you as you, let's say, just drew a sharp knife right across their throat right oh, here. Oh, my God. Why are you holding? She's listening. Just let them bleed out. 
Lucy. She is holding her cat, Ray, who is like the love of her life. <laughs> as she's saying this, it's very odd. I'm detached. <laughs> that much is clear. Ray is you. the biggest floof of all That time. cat is fucking enormous. <laughs> that would He's... not be like putting oh. away a pet. That would oh. be like putting away a full-grown man. I wouldn't be able to dispose of the body. No, and it'd no. be so much blood. <laughs> yeah. It's not worth it. No. As a big as a big boy. Yeah. Mm. He's Too a big, big a man. Boy. He's a big man. <laughs> He's a big man. My biggest man and my best boy. <laughs> okay. 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 Future victim selection is already in the process at a young age, so... Oh, we'll get to it. Presumably... Mm. A serial killer will also seek out someone who's weak and obedient and can't retaliate. God, okay. Yeah, isn't that fucking sick? Studies have found that those who engaged in childhood acts of cruelty to animals use the same method of killing on their human victims as they did on their animal victims. That is fascinating. Yeah. So it really is a rehearsal. A practice, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Well, they know what works. Building their MO, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're already interested in certain techniques possibly way before that's creepy yeah they fucking figure out what works Ugh. okay so back to the enuresis the bedwetting this must continue twice a week for at least three consecutive months to be considered like problematic regular bedwetting where it is amounts to this condition Mm -hmm. yeah like i think the last time i wet the bed i was like eight years old and I can tell you exactly why we had just moved into our new house and there was an owl killing a baby rabbit right outside my window and we had moved from the city to the suburbs like Mm -hmm. to this new house and this was like a noise that I was unfamiliar with Mm -hmm. and also just extremely jarring and I had to go to the bathroom so bad but I did not want to get out of bed so Mm -hmm. I kind of fell asleep and kind of wet my bed Mm -hmm. got to (laughs) <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do. Anyway, maybe TMI, but but, but it hey, wasn't it wasn't twice a week for three consecutive months. No, no, it's that's not. I don't give a fuck. Situational your right now. fear piss. <laughs> Owl based fear piss. Yes. Mm-hmm. Some authors continue to speculate that enuresis may be related to fire setting and animal cruelty in some way. One argument is that because persistent bedwetting beyond the age of five can be humiliating for a child, especially. If they are belittled by a parent figure or other adult as a result, this could cause the child to use fire setting or cruelty to animals as an outlet for their frustrations. Mm -hmm. One researcher notes that enuresis is a, quote, unconscious, involuntary and nonviolent act and therefore linking it to violent crime is more problematic than doing so with animal cruelty or fire setting. So to Kenyon's Mm -hmm. point earlier... Mm -hmm. This is not a behavioral thing. This right. is not right. a violent thing. It's not something that people are in control of. Exactly. Right. Yep. right. So it's so interesting because it, you'd think, like, especially if someone is growing up in, like, an abusive or neglectful home, that bedwetting is going to cause, like, more frustration, more, like, aggression and tension Potential in the abuse. home. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like just make that cycle worse. worse. So it's well, such it's we, such an interesting thing that it happens. We'll get to that also. Mm, okay. Um, in 1963, so this is where the McTriad comes from. In 1963, forensic psychiatrist J.M. McDonald observed in a paper called The Threat to Kill 
that these behaviors often showed up in his most aggressive and sadistic patients. McDonald had compared 48 psychotic patients against 52 non-psychotic patients who had all threatened to kill someone. Hmm. And just to note, the study was about those who had threatened a violent act had not committed one. Okay. okay? So that's the first issue with this study. Actually, the like fourth issue with this study. Just over half of these uh, patients were male, and they ranged in age from 11 to 83. Well, McDonald relied mostly on clinical observation to make his assessment, and he did not believe the study had predictive value. Hmm. Another red flag. In any event, his research group was small and unrepresentative. Okay. Further issues with empirical research. Right. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, some criminologists have applied the triad to various offender populations, and inc including and especially serial killers. Like I mentioned before, serial killers are mentioned a lot in, mm -hmm. in studies that reference the McTriad, but mm -hmm. that's not that's not that logical, I think, when you think of it from like a really high up, like top more, down perspective. More studies need to be done in right. different ways, it sounds like. Yeah. With bigger sample groups, with more mm -hmm. diverse sample groups, mm -hmm. like this is just it's it's just not a representative study that should be taken mm -hmm. super seriously. Although some violent offenders do have excessive fire-setting animal cruelty or bedwetting past the age of five in their backgrounds. <coughs> I'm sorry. I have cat hair in my throat. Well, it's because <laughs> you threatened to murder your cat. I just demonstrated. Seems like you have consequences in your throat. Mm -mm. <laughs> it doesn't taste like it. Okay. Other behaviors such as callous disregard... Mm -hmm. occur more regularly. Cool, cool, great. Mm -hmm. So all of this is to say that these characteristic characteristics can be indicative of a stressed child with maybe mm -hmm. poor coping skills or perhaps a developmental disorder. Mm -hmm. But to be clear, one more time, the McTriad should not be taken seriously in a clinical or diagnostic sense. Mm -hmm. So in other words, and this is from the National Library of Medicine, quote, the empirical research on the McTriad does not fully substantiate its premise. Rather, it would appear that the triad or its individual constituents is better used as an indicator of dysfunctional home environments or poor mm -hmm. coping skills in children. Yeah. And it's those environments that can create violence. Right. That can create violence. Exactly. The, yeah, don't necessarily do, but definitely can. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that said, if a child is lighting fires or hurting animals just yeah. because they might not grow up to be a serial killer. Something bad's probably happening they in their should house. Definitely yeah. get help some them. Help. Yeah. So red flags. Let's, let's take these as red flags. Let's not take them as like uh, some sort of evidence to assume that they're going to become no. a serial killer. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. makes perfect sense. But yeah, they are problematic behaviors, specifically mm -hmm. the behavioral ones. And mm -hmm. there's also yeah. like a lot of like secrecy and shame mm -hmm. involved in all of these, both like the behavioral and the psychological. Like mm -hmm. all of these are things that happen, I'm assuming, in secret or while the child child is alone. You know, yeah. it's like shaded and like hidden. And that fosters... That yeah. kind of fosters those those psychological, right? You know, after effects, right? Mm -hmm. And then it can be like a self fulfilling thing where it's like 
they're in a home where they're being told that they're bad. Right. They get upset. They wet the bed. They're told that they're bad again. They're doing bad things. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm a bad person. I do bad things. What other bad things can I do and explore? Right. Yep. Yep. Shit. So that's my segment. Doesn't have a whole lot to do with classmates, but I wasn't love it. Given much, <laughs> so it's a hard I'm spitting gold out of <laughs> shit right yeah. now. But also, since we have talked about this before, and since as a true crime podcast, I feel like we're going to reference the McTriad. Mm -hmm. We have, and we will continue to do so. So I did want to just share about. The mm -hmm. fact that it is actually problematic. Yeah. And shouldn't be I taken too seriously. Thinking back on like who we, who our classmates were, I don't think I knew anybody that hurt animals or so. really set fires, really. As far as we knew. But you wouldn't really know about that. It's not like you could be like, oh, that, we graduated in a class of like 600. Yeah. Right. You wouldn't be like, oh, kids. that guy over there killed his dog or, mm. you know, Well, you'd think that there would be rumors yeah, uh, you know, as far as we know, right, we didn't yeah. have anyone in our class like that, yeah. right? Oh, actually, no, we did know somebody that set fire to the library of the high school. Well, yeah, we but know that a was little more about oh, I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I also have an anecdote. I totally forgot about this. So somebody close to me, I'm not going to say who, mm -hmm. but I'll tell you guys afterwards. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> when this person was in middle school. One of their classmates got kicked out of school because that that person's locker mate discovered a hit list Ooh, that's that scary. with a list of names of their classmates, and it was titled at the top "Hit List." Yikes! Don't like Did they mean that. hit clips? <laughs> it was definitely like I'm the planning. Toy. I'm planning on bringing a weapon to school and knocking out these specific Jeez. people. Oh, that's oh. so scary! In yeah. our school? Mm -mm. I'll oh, okay. tell you later. It was not our school. Okay. okay well, very, very, very. Well, scary. we're going on an ad break. So can you tell us now? Yes. <laughs> ad, ad break. <laughs> Three, two, one. <laughs> Start summer off on the right foot <laughs> with comfortable bestsellers like flats, loafers, and sneakers from Rothy's, the company that we are completely and utterly obsessed with. <laughs> with sandals in an array of colors to shoes made for exploring, their newest styles have you covered, plus their spacious washable bags are perfect for summer getaways. I love their bags so much. I have uh, the Rothy saddle bag, and I get compliments on it all the time, just like with the shoes. Every time I wear my Rothy's out, I get a compliment on them. It's unreal. Rothy's newly launched men's shoes are intentionally designed with an artisanal level of detail and created with nearly zero waste. You gotta love that. Mm -hmm. Rothy's men's shoes are durable, washable, and better for the planet. Plus, rigorous testing during R&D results in a perfect fit wash after wash. Because like the bags, like the ladies' shoes, men's shoes, you just throw them in the washing machine. I it's just, life changing. It really is. Many people don't regularly wash their shoes or bags. Rothy's is here to change that with fully machine washable styles. So don't worry about that red wine that chocolate spill, 
I always have chocolate in my bag. I'm just saying. And sometimes <laughs> a couple pieces spill out and I forget about it. And guess what? I don't have to worry about it with my Rossi's yeah. bag. Or like grass stains on your shoes or just like mud or like city grime or feet stank. Just Anything. like wash them. Yeah, just throw them in the washing machine. They'll come out looking brand new. Rothy's are extremely durable and last wash after wash. In fact, the average pair of Rothy's has walked about a thousand miles. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? No. That's like walking from San Francisco to Denver and staying comfortable with every step of the way. Mm-hmm. If only the Donner Party had Rothy's. <laughs> if only. <laughs> You deserve shoes and bags that can keep up with your busy life. Go sock-free in your sneakers and don't sweat stinky clothes in your gym bag because everything Rothy's makes is fully machine washable. You got it's it comes out fresh and clean in no time. It's absolutely incredible. It's amazing. The washability is so key for me. They're, these are the only shoes that I've had that have lasted longer than like eight months and mine have lasted like years and they look brand new. Yeah. So keep it fresh this summer with washable shoes and bags from Rothy's. Head to rothys.com slash gals, G-A-L-S, to find your new warm weather favorites today. That is R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash gals, G-A-L-S, and treat your feet. Trade them. If we had to take one thing away from 2020, it would be our commitment to chill. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we've earned it. And new loungewear from Brooklinen is just the dress code for the occasion. You can zone out, unplug, and get comfy. You can turn that camera on in their tees and tanks because chef's kiss emoji. These, you know, can be, they're comfortable and can look professional. And they have these joggers that are, I mean, I don't jog, but they are like perfect for hanging out on the couch. It's a couch marathon jogger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have the joggers and a t-shirt and a tank top all in their like beautiful olive green color. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. It's a uniform for just hanging out at home. Mm-hmm. Their joggers are so soft. They get softer with every wash, just like their sheets. I don't know how they do it. And they're like kind of thick. They're they're stretchy, but they're kind of thick. They're just like the perfect loungewear. I am mm-hmm. obsessed with my Brooklinen lounge, essentially uniform at this point. So Brooklinen has been listening to what we all need most, and they responded with ultra comfy loungewear at a fair price. This loungewear has classic cuts and zero zippers. No one mm-hmm. wants a zipper. Nope, we're done. No more done buttons. With the zippers. No more zippers. For limitless comfort that you can pull off in real life so you can luxuriate in coziness all day and all night, baby. Bonus points, Brooklinen offers bundle deals on loungewear so you can get more comfort for less money. I love a good bargain. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for more ways to enhance your comfort, check out Brooklinen's candles. Hi. Mm-hmm. Eye masks. Yes. Also high. I cannot sleep without an eye mask. I'm, I can't either. I'm, I actually learned that from you. Yeah. You were on that eye mask train early. I really was. It's because my eyes sometimes open while I'm sleeping. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> they also offer accessories 
to properly celebrate your chill. There's a lot of chill to celebrate these days. Mm-hmm. So there's a reason why Brooklinen has over 75,000 five-star reviews and counting, and at least one of those is from me. Oh, yeah. So go on, get comfortable, and get it for less at Brooklinen. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code GALS, G-A-L-S, to get $20 off with a minimum purchase of $100. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code GALS for $20 off with a minimum purchase of $100. Again, that's brooklinen.com, promo code GALS, and treat your comfort. Are we ready for my case? It is very sad. Drink up. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to our fan picker who sent this case. Oh, classic Lucinda. I had heard about it, but I hadn't done a a deep dive into it before. So you, you probably, it'll probably sound familiar to you guys. Adrian Lee Reynolds was born in Arizona in 1988 and spent most of her childhood living with her mother in the small city of Kilgore, Texas, Tejas, before moving to East Moline, is that how you say it? East Moline, Illinois, Uh, mm -hmm. when she was 16 to live with her father and stepmother. Adrian planned to join the Marines when she turned 18. To save money, she began working at the fast food restaurant Checkers, which Ooh. I have never eaten at. I don't know. Have you guys? No, never I, even heard of it. I think I've heard of it, but I've never eaten at one. I think they definitely have them around here, but I have not eaten there. Hmm. And so rather than enrolling in a new high school when she arrived in Illinois, she decided to begin taking GED prep courses at the outreach center of a local community college because she just wanted to, like, work Get get her fucking GED and join the Marines. Like, she didn't want to deal with all the high school bullshit drama, mm-hmm. which is kind Smart. of... Smart. <laughs> yes, but, but sadly ironic in this case. Oh. So it was here that she met and quickly became friends with two classmates, a fellow 16-year-old, Sarah Kolb, and 17-year-old Corey Gregory. Never trust a Corey. Never trust a Corey. don't trust this Corey so Sarah and Corey had previously dated but had since broken up and now referred to each other as best friends but there was definitely still some vibes there between them at 16 and 17 you can't break up and stay friends at 16 and 17 you you can't always avoid the the vibes at 16 and 17 either yeah that's tough Mm -hmm. yeah hormones yeah so Adrian is a new girl in town. She's in this GED prep class with these two other kids her age. They're all kind of gothy. Sure. There's a lot made of how they, like, were juggalos. Mm. I don't know if, like, just Sarah <laughs> and Corey were, and then Adrian kind of joined in or whatever. A lot was made of that, but that's So all they drank a that. lot of, uh, what is Fago. it, Fanta? Fago. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, sure. Juggalos have a whole thing. I think there's, there's a, a document. I think there's a documentary on Hulu about Juggalos, and it's Probably. fucking fascinating. I always forget what they are, and you've told me on this podcast like 16 times. It's fans of remember. Insane Clown Posse mm-hmm. at the surface, but they have their own like fucking thing. So I don't know how deep into the Juggalo culture they all were, but like mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. lot of fuss was made in the headlines about that fact after this case came to light. 
And I feel like it doesn't really factor in, but it Got was it. kind of like seized on by the media. Okay. okay. So Sarah and Corey have wives. Adrian comes in. She's a new girl in town. That is going to be an interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. On January 21st, 2005, just a couple months after Adrian had moved to town, Sarah invited her along with Corey and a third friend named Sean McKittrick to have lunch at Taco Bell. This oh, sounds yum. so 2005. Mm-hmm. I, this is, we've Fucking done all this. Yeah. This, is, this is a day and hour life. Yeah. Uh-huh. I gotta say Taco Bell is my main fast food vice. Absolutely had, had it the other day. It's so fucking good. We had it on the way to Zach's sister's wedding when we were driving and yep. stopped and got, and I got two chicken chalupa supremes. Always. And for the next three hours of this road trip, I swear to God, we almost got divorced. <laughs> Zach would not shut the fuck up about how it was like $9 and five cents for Get two, over it. For it's two high chicken quality fast food. Thank you. Worth it. I would pay 10 times that amount. <laughs> Absolutely. Zach, I was like, he was like, they're just tacos. Why is it taco? No, no. $4 and 50 cents. And I was they're like, okay, no. it's not. The just shell, The tacos. shell is very different. Also, it's, it's a supreme. lifestyle. It comes with sour cream. Do mm. not ever disparage a chicken chalupa supreme mm. in my presence. I will crush you. Go off. Get I'll out. go off. Yeah. Well, he would I'm not divorcing shut the fuck your husband. up. And I was like, this from the man who pays $5 for a coffee at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. D- no. It, no. 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 Yeah. Uh, no. No. <laughs> yeah. No. I know. I, you know what? Forward me your divorce attorney Done. number. Contact. Referrals. I've got we all one. know Lucy on has one. Dial. <laughs> okay. Oh, Jim. Here we go. <laughs> I got a great guy for you. He does all my divorces. <laughs> and if he doesn't work out, I have a backup for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. so, so Sarah picks the others up in her car and drives them to the high quality, high-end fast food chain. High-end fast food. <laughs> but before they'd even gotten out of the car in the Taco Bell parking lot, Sarah and Adrian begin fighting. Mm-mm. There are varying reports about the cause of the fight. Some sources say that Adrian had recently asked out Corey, which had angered Sarah because it was her ex and slash bestie slash she's definitely not over it. Mm -hmm. And they're 16, so of course that happened. children. Yeah, (laughs) right. Other sources say that Sarah was dating Sean McKittrick at this point and was angry because she believed Adrian had been flirting with him. Mm. So there's some sort of love triangle, jealousy, two guys, two girls. A love triad, if you will. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Sarah, you can't have them all. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You can't you just have can't. them all. Yeah. Or you can have both the boys, but then you can't also hang out with Adrian. And don't worry, sure. it gets more complicated. Okay, cool. So either way, Sean McKittrick attempted to break up the fight and calm Sarah down because she seemed to be more the aggressor. But she resisted and told him that if he didn't like what was happening, he should leave, which is what he did. Sean was like, okay, bye. Bye. I'm saying the drama for your mama, as Uh they say. Uh Uh-huh. Sorry, I'm I don't know who they are, but they say it. (laughs) So with Sean gone, Corey and Sarah then physically attacked Adrian. And this Mm. is because Corey seemingly would kind of do whatever Sarah said. Again, the vibes. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So I told you it gets really dark. Just oh it's about to God. get real dark and real sudden in a fucking Taco Bell parking lot. Uh, nothing in bad ever lot? happens in a Taco Bell parking lot. Well, Except littering and this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, is this not the second case in recent memory that you've covered that is basically the same thing? Also, straight up, I'm going to slow down drinking so I can drive to Taco Bell after <laughs> we're done recording. Just, no, it's, it's on DoorDash. It's on DoorDash. Postmates or whatever. No, I'm just yeah. going to text Bill. Yes, yeah. honey. He's at a work happy hour. Don't slow down. Yeah. You're right. I'm you won't be you hungry for your chalupa. Free bill, del- <laughs> free bill delivery. If I promise <laughs> Taco Bill tonight, Taco Bell. can you get me Taco Bell? Taco Bell? I literally just offered sex for Taco Bell. Yes, you're a sex yeah. worker now. <laughs> if I promise sex tonight, can you get me Taco Bell? <laughs> If Amanda promises you sex tonight, (laughs) can he get me Taco Bell? (laughs) Ditto. Could he be up all night driving at the promise of one time of sex? I will pimp out Amanda for Taco Bell. (laughs) (laughs) He comes back at like 9 a.m. tomorrow. He's like, Taco Bell. (laughs) We have sex now. If he's at work. No, I have to work. If he's at a work happy hour where I think he is, there is a Taco Bell down the block. Mm-hmm. This is barely an inconvenience. <laughs> it's I've also on DoorDash, I'm saying. It's more expensive. It's not worth it. <laughs> get, get your Dash Pass, baby. Mm. <laughs> All right. So, mm. back <laughs> If okay. quarantine has taught me anything, it's at the DoorDash Door pass is w- fucking worth every yeah, penny. I pay for all of that shit now. <laughs> okay. I hope you got your laughs in because it's about oh, to get Jesus. really, really okay. sad and dark. And all there's right. no I'm hope. Ready. Okay. There's no hope. No hope. So Sean leaves because he does not want to deal with this physical altercation between Sarah and Adrian. Right. Then Neither when do he's I. gone. No, I know me either. Corey and Sarah physically attack Adrian, forcing her from the front seat of the car where she'd been sitting, I think sitting shotgun, to the back seat where they held her down and strangled her with a belt. Oh, God. A seat Six- belt or a belt yeah. belt? As, I think a seat belt. Ugh. Yeah. 16 years old. Jesus Christ. That's not what seat belts are for. To death? Yes. Ugh. They then drove the body to Sarah's grandparents' farm in Alito, Illinois, and attempted to burn it. So never going to work. Never nope. going to work. Never going to work. Nope. And Stupid it didn't. Kids, right. so your despite, frontal lobes. D- mm-hmm. Despite using gasoline as an accelerant, their attempts failed. After several hours of trying to burn the remains, the BFFs decided that they needed a different plan. I'm assuming the grandparents weren't home or were, were like, oh, they're having a bonfire. Yeah, we're like completely unaware because it was a big enough property that they could just go off and do their own thing. Mm-hmm. So then they called another classmate, 16-year-old Nathan. I don't know if it's Godet or Godet. It's gaudy. Gaudy. Nathan. And they asked him for help dismembering Adrian's body. They just said what they needed the help with. So 
Well, okay. Well, I'm Amanda sorry, I shouldn't be laughing. But yeah, but they're so awful and dumb. That's not what I'm laughing at. Oh. Bill just got my text message, <laughs> and I didn't realize that he's home, <laughs> and he's out in the yard, and I have, like, a, a, one of those basement, like, dugout windows, yeah. and he just started walking toward the window and just, like, looked at me and shook his head. <laughs> no, he's not down. Dash pass, baby. Dash pass. Not worth it. You tried <laughs> to sell yourself for Taco Bell. I'm texting. And so is that no a no buyers. on the Taco Bell? <laughs> it didn't even mark. work. You selling yourself for Taco Bell didn't even work. Oh no. I don't know yet. I don't know if it didn't work. Yeah, yeah it could be bravado. It didn't work. He might be making a special trip. I mean, his love language is gifts, so it, is, it probably is going to work, but <laughs> at what cost? My Dear love language go. is gifts. 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 <laughs> Means. Anyway, continue. Okay, Sorry. Right. Actually, no, back to this. Back to this so, horrific <laughs> murder of a child by fellow children. So she's partially burned right. with gasoline as an accelerant, and right. then they decide to dismember her and also just to casually text. Well, because they're probably text. realizing, call, like, oh call. shit. Oh, call. She's mm-hmm. not, this isn't gonna work. Mm-hmm. Fucking duh. Yeah. Listen to a true crime podcast. Right. Any, ever, at mm-hmm. any point. This was 2005, though, so they literally did not exist. They did. There were podcasts in 2005. Kind of. Well, there were VPNs and there was the internet. I'm just they saying. They were good, but they did exist. But so, okay. So uh, to paint the picture, she's mm-hmm. partially. Largely burned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now they're going to cut her up. Yeah. And they're going to just incidentally bring in another witness. 16 year old. Another accomplice. Yeah. Cool. And Nathan was down. So he went to the grandparents' they farm. They promised him Taco Bell. Probably, probably in Alito. Mm-hmm. And he brought along his grandfather's hacksaw. Oh my god. And oh then god. Nathan, teenagers are so fucking stupid. Yeah. And then Nathan it sounds like Nathan did the bulk of the actual work of dismembering Adrian's body. Oh, it's Nathan. so sad. I can't handle it. Oh, Jesus. So the three teenagers then placed Adrian's remains in garbage bags after which they took a break. To oh, eat yeah. at well, another fast food chain, McDonald's. Mm. Uh, uh, eat vegetables. <laughs> yeah, maybe he wouldn't be so aggressive if you ate some vegetables. But they ate Taco Bell and McDonald's in the I same day. I don't know day. if they ever ate Taco Bell. I They went oh, to Taco fair. Bell, but I don't know if the altercation broke out. Before they had a chance to enjoy their right. chalupas. Right. I, I will say, though, if I had in my mind I was going to have Taco Bell and I didn't have Taco Bell, I'm fucking going back to Taco Bell. I'm not going back to McDonald's. Mm-hmm. She's well, a loaded gun. I'm well, a they're loaded in a different fuck. area I'm, now. There might not be a Taco Bell near the grandparents' farm slash secondary scene of the crime. You know what? You're right. You're right. So <laughs> finally then, after their fucking food break they drove the remains to a state park called black hawk state historic site and disposed of the bags of remains down an open manhole which Ugh. is also very is. stupid yeah yeah black hawk state 
So Adrian's parents reported their child missing after they received a phone call from Checkers asking why she hadn't shown up for her shift, which was unlike her. Mm-hmm. And so she's missing. A few days go by. And then Ooh, they um, drove her a long way. Mm-hmm. A really long way. Mm-hmm. Like three hours. Yeah. That's a, yeah. And so then that means Nathan drove three hours to meet up with them. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah. So a few days later, on January 26th, 2005, Corey Gregory broke down and told his parents what had happened. Mm. Can you imagine having a 17-year-old kid and they're like, their friend I goes missing? I have to missing, tell you something. And as a parent, you're like trying to make sure your kid feels okay and feels safe because their friend is missing and how scary is that and then they come to you and they're like i i have to tell you something i killed her i can't i dropped her remains down a a manhole manhole her charred remains Mm because you know Mm -hmm. tried that first yeah didn't work out so back to the remains he removed her head and her arms was the rest just a slender piece that they just Put down the manhole. I don't have any more details than that, except that she was dismembered. But I don't know more detail than that. Jesus fucking Christ, that's gross. So Corey's parents immediately bring him to the police station, thank God, Mm -hmm. where he confessed to his involvement in the murder and then led police to Adrian's remains. Mm -hmm. So confirming at least a a large part of his story and confession. Corey and Sarah were both arrested and charged with first-degree murder and concealment of a homicide. Sarah pleaded not guilty at her trial, which began in October of 2005 and lasted two weeks. She took the stand in her own defense. Never a good idea. Yeah. Don't ever do that. Who let her do that? Uh, I don't know. I think if you request from your lawyer that you really want to do it, you have you're hiring your lawyer. And yeah, you can do I it. don't think your lawyer can like tell you, you from no doing if it, you insist. They can advise you no, but you're paying Ugh. them. If you want to do it, you'll do it. Right. I guess. Oh god. Otherwise, no fucking lawyer would right. let their person true. do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's true. Mhm. So she took the stand in her own defense and described her relationship with Adrian and her version of the events leading up to leading up to and following the murder. In Sarah's version, she had been, quote, very attracted to Adrian when she first met her during a smoke break after their GED class. You're 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're 16. You're attracted to everyone. And right? also, why are <laughs> you taking smoke breaks? Yeah, you're don't attracted smoke to a chalupa. Yeah. Yeah, And Sarah said that she had considered trying to date her, but wanted to take things slow after having a bad breakup with another girl in the past. Okay. According to Sarah, still, their relationship soon soured, though, and Adrian began harassing her with constant phone calls and notes at school. I don't think that there's any evidence to suggest that that is true. I think that they spoke on the phone a lot and probably Mm. passed notes because they're 16. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah claimed that on that day in the Taco Bell parking lot, Corey had acted alone in pulling Adrian into the back seat and strangling her. Mm -hmm. And she recounted for the jury how she had been, quote, terrified of him and followed his instructions after the murder for fear that he would kill her as well. So, And was her allegation that this was out of jealousy? 
over Sarah. She no Sarah. Sarah is saying Corey just attacked Adrian with w- what motive? Who kn- I don't think she gave a motive. Okay, and that Believable. it was all his idea, and she just went along with it. But then they went to her grandparents' farm. Yeah, so she must have volunteered that at least. Yeah, some yeah. obviously something's not quite mm-hmm. right in this story. Gotta say, mm-hmm. I don't believe Sarah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Prosecution, though, rebutted this version of events by introducing as evidence a school journal in which Sarah had written that she was going to kill Adrian, and she had made this entry on the same day that the murder took place. So obviously, no, journals. <laughs> she literally put it in her planner. Yeah, we will get to the kill journals. Adrian. I mean, obviously, the amount of times that I wrote that I was going to kill a friend of mine in a journal sure. or a diary at this age, like, could not even be, the limit does not exist. Right. But. Well, that's weird, too. I don't think I it's don't that I don't think weird. I've ever written that. You've never written, oh, I want to kill, blah, 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 like, they're so annoying, blah. I didn't write kill Kenyon in my planner no. for a specific date. That's not what this girl did either. We don't know. <laughs> well, it kind of sounds it's like vague, it. She just made a journal entry and dated it at the top. Yeah, it's a vague and it enough happened to be sentence. the same day. You could, the prosecution is going to say she wrote that she was planning to kill Adrian, and it could right. be. Right, and the defense is like, she's 16. She's yeah. she's venting in her right. diary. I guess I personally conflate, conflate journaling with my planner, because yeah. mm-hmm. it's my only form of journaling slash alibis. Right. Right. Okay. So several of Sarah's acquaintances also testified that she had been making verbal threats to kill Adrian in the weeks leading up to the murder. So there was definitely beef and issues, and she had aggression and intent to harm Adrian. Mm -hmm. The jury, however, was unable to agree on a verdict after 15 hours of deliberation, resulting in a mistrial. Wow. The hung jury wasn't a close vote. Only one juror had voted to acquit, while the other 11 had voted to convict. So it was very, very close, but still a mistrial. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So Sarah was retried in February of 2006, and this time she was found guilty on all counts. And she then read a very contradictory letter aloud at her sentencing hearing, in which she didn't directly admit to the murder, but seemed to like express regret that she had been involved. And then okay. also indicate that she felt no empathy for Adrian as the murder was taking place. Cool. Cool, cool, Why cool, cool, cool. would you say that? But I'm innocent. Why? I just don't understand why you'd even fucking say that. Right. Just, just keep it to yourself. I mean, I guess I said that I felt indifferent to Ray's death, but only in theory. And not, oh and my not God. true. Oh, anyway. No, he's my baby. So anyway, Ugh. the letter read in part, quote, I felt no feeling as she died. There's no excuse why I couldn't turn off my not feeling to feel. Um... Hey, well, that was a terribly constructed yeah, sentence. Yeah, once again, where is her lawyer? And also, <laughs> where is her school system? Well, yeah. So she also stated in the letter that she couldn't stop thinking about a song lyric that went, quote, I would change the past if I had one wish. 
Like, okay. Hmm, let's see who sings. That. I like girls that wear Abercrombie and Fish. Fish. <laughs> I would change the past. I'd take it if I, if I had, one, had wish. one wish that girls stop by for the summer. Mm-hmm. The summer. Oh my God. That song is by Ray J. I don't know what no. that means. The okay. song with that lyric is by Ray J. That's what she quoted. The, lo- the one who made the sex tape with Kim Kardashian. In her defense letter to the fuckings at the sentencing. Oh, my God. Oh, she dear. quoted. A- oh, wait. Maybe not. That's just what pops up on the. All right. Yes. Let's just go with that because it's funnier. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Also, during the sentencing hearing, six ongoing friends of Sarah took the stand as positive character witnesses for her, testifying that she was a loving and supportive friend to them. Okay. Well, just because she didn't kill you. Right. Right. Doesn't mean she didn't kill someone Mm -hmm. else. One of these friends told the courtroom that Sarah had saved her life by being there for her at a time when she had been suicidal. Which, okay. Yeah. The thing is, we contain multitudes. Right, exactly. Right. Especially at 16. You can be both oh, a yeah. good person and a horrific monster at 16. Or, you know, it's not even about being a good person. You can do good things mm-hmm. just and be a still good be capable friend. of really bad shit. Right, yeah. Right. One oh. of Sarah's teachers from the Outreach Center also testified saying, quote, she was one of my favorite students and I think anyone in the building would say the same. And like, look, like, I mean, it's interesting testimony, but that, again, doesn't change anything. Like, I, I mm-hmm. have a friend who taught fucking Johar Tsarnaev, you mm-hmm. know, one of the Boston bombers. And, like, he mm-hmm. was a oh, seemingly yeah, good kid. That. And then he fucking killed well, a lot of people. So. Yeah. No. You're, you're looking at one facet of somebody's mm-hmm. life. Right. And there are a billion. Right. And some matter more than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So finally, Adrian's stepmother, Joanne, took the stand to read a lengthy and emotional victim impact statement, arguing for Sarah to receive the harshest possible sentence. The letter read in part, quote, this is the hardest letter I've ever had to write. Starting from the beginning, when we realized Adrian was missing, Tony and I were frantic. We started making phone calls to everyone we could think of. When I finally got a hold of Sarah, she was cool as ice. Sarah told the story how she left Adrian at McDonald's after an argument, which she even fucked that up. Like Sarah apparently Mm -hmm. fucked that up saying we were at McDonald's. Right. Right. Sarah was very sincere. After five days of hell, we learned Adrian was dead. That's the worst news a parent can receive. We had to hear from the media that Adrian's body had been dismembered. I cannot begin to tell you the visions I have in my head. Mm -hmm. It's horrific. Following an appeal to the judge not to go easy on Sarah, the letter concluded, quote, Adrian was a normal 16-year-old girl who liked boys. Adrian came here from Texas to start her life over. Like most families, we had problems, but together we were going through counseling. Adrian got through to my heart, and I never got the chance to tell her I loved her. Because, oh, like, she, she came and lived with her dad and stepmom just a few months prior, and it was, like, kind of like a hectic time mm-hmm. for the family and she's 16 and like I think she had some some troubles at school mm-hmm. in Texas and yeah she Adrian had dreams she wanted to be on American Idol she loved to oh. sing Adrian wanted to be a designer that and did detail paintings on cars we were planning a graduation party for her she was working very hard to get her GED 
Adrian had dreams of being a Marine. Adrian wasn't just anybody. She was Adrian Lee Reynolds, and I want her to come home. Oh, oh my God. That's fucking heartbreaking. I know. God. I know. She had a lot of facets. She did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was a 16-year-old kid. The whole fucking world is your oyster. Mm-hmm. In the end, Sarah Kolb was sentenced to 48 years in prison for murder and five for concealment of a homicide, which were ordered to be served consecutively. So she got a very lengthy punishment. She is currently serving this sentence at the Logan Correctional Center in Illinois. Corey Gregory, meanwhile, pleaded guilty to all charges against him, and he was sentenced to 40 years for murder and five for concealment and is currently incarcerated at a maximum security prison near Chicago. So because he pled and came to the police before they pinned it on him, he got got a reduced... He got a slightly... A lesser A slightly reduced sentence, eight years less than Sarah, but... I mean, I think they just had so much evidence against both of them that they didn't really yeah. need, you know, he didn't get a sweeter deal. Yeah. Right. Nathan, this fucking third Yahoo who got yeah, himself who involved, yeah. was also charged with concealment of a homicide for his role in dismembering the body. He was charged as a minor and served about four years in a juvenile mm-hmm. detention center before he was released. But he was wow. the same age as Sarah. Yeah. They were both 16. But he wasn't involved in the murder. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have to go to jail, <sighs> jail, like prison. Yeah. Okay. So instead of, because she got five years for concealment, Corey got five years for concealment, and Nathan got four years for concealment. There's this, uh, there's this really, there's something that doesn't sit well with me that you can saw off right. a person's head and arms. Yeah, yes. and get that much of a lesser sentence. Yes, for sure. Like, and I, I get also it, wonder but it's if, just gross. if he also offered information that translated into a lesser sentence as well. Yeah, I maybe. don't know. Yeah. I didn't read anything about that, but yeah. So interestingly, um, he so he served four years, and I think that was starting in like 2005, late 2005 or 2006, and then he got out. And then in 2012, he was killed in a car crash. Oh, wow. Whoa. So he also died very young. Wild. Just a couple months ago, Corey Gregory, who is now 33, because, like, they're basically our age. Like, he's exactly our age, was back in court for a hearing about possible resentencing because the Illinois Supreme Court recently ruled that a 40-year sentence for a juvenile is essentially a de facto life sentence. And thus unconstitutional. Oh, we'll get to that in my case too. Mm-hmm. So Corey petitioned for a new sentencing hearing based on this ruling and was successful. And the hearing was sparsely attended, but Adrian's stepmother Joanne was there and spoke to the press, stating, "Quote: How does he have the nerve to ask for a resentence hearing when he prosecuted her and carried out her death penalty? It doesn't mm-hmm. seem fair at all." Adrian doesn't get to come home. I feel like he can walk out of prison the day Adrian gets to come home. That's when he can get out. That You know, she is allowed to feel that yeah, way. That, absolutely. That's very valid. Right, yeah. And, like, he was 17, and we do have to draw a line somewhere, but I, I think, like, there is a difference between 17 and 15. And yep. you know what I mean? Like, 35. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know, man. What what it's they did was tough. really horrible and dark. Yeah. Yeah. She also explained, so the stepmother explained that she would continue to attend any court dates related to the case to show the judge that, quote, Adrian is loved and still has family who cares. And Sarah Kolb also tried to appeal her sentencing under the same law because they were mm. both sentenced in Illinois and she was even younger than Corey. But interestingly, her request for resentencing was denied. Hmm. I'm actually kind of surprised that his was granted because I talk about this in my case. In 2012, the Supreme Court did change the ruling mm -hmm. on, on, but it was specifically on like life or like you said, basically mm -hmm. life sentences without parole. Mm -hmm. So if she was sentenced with a possibility of parole, mm. then she probably wouldn't have that overturned. Mm. If he was sentenced without a possibility of mm. parole, then it makes sense that he got the new trial. Because yeah. that would be unconstitutional under the new ruling of the Supreme Court as of 2020. And I feel like if you give people the possibility of parole and like regular parole hearings and then their parole just gets denied because like maybe say they say in their fucking sentencing Hearing, that they have no remorse. Yeah, that they have no remorse and felt nothing that maybe, mm. like, they shouldn't be let out, but... Mm -hmm. But that should still be assessed, right. especially when you go to prison that right. young. Right. Well, maybe that's a lesson that you shouldn't fucking take the stand in your own defense and make any fucking statements. Never fucking take the stand in your own defense. God it's damn. never gonna... Yeah, I can't, just, my God. Just I can't don't. think of a single instance where it's helped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, yeah. but very rarely. Mm -hmm. I was watching some documentary about uh, juvenile nonviolent offenders could take the or, or uh, they were going through their own trials, and mm -hmm. someone was charged with I don't know something, and they pled not guilty, and then took the sand, and they were like, "If I was guilty, I would not be taking this risk. Mm. Mm. You have to hear me." Mm. So I guess in some cases, in some circumstances, if you do it really fucking well. Or if you're actually like, innocent. Innocent, yeah. And if you're actually innocent, mm -hmm. it can it can make a difference. But clearly in this case, it did the opposite. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, so that wow. is my very, very sad case. And once again, I would like to blame and thank... <laughs> The fan picker. <laughs> Lysenda. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> and Adrian, I, it's just so tragic and so fucking Poor senseless. Adrian. Just like yeah. everything else at 16, it is tragic mm. and senseless. Yes. And temporary. Being 16 is yes. tragic and senseless and temporary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like just. they just, all of these lives were fucking ruined by these mm -hmm. Idiots' fucking choices. Yeah, not Adrian, but Sarah and Corey and Nathan. Yeah, mm -hmm. the only one who got out of this okay was Sean, who was just like, "I'm fucking out of here." Yeah, who was just like, "Sure, I'll cut up a charred body." No, Sean. No, that was that, that was, was Nathan. Nathan. Sean oh, was Nathan. the one at okay. Taco Bell who was like, "Can you guys like, fucking bye. stop fighting? Because this sucks." And they were like, oh, "You yeah. can leave." And he was like, "Okay, I'll leave." Great, I will. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. So just yeah. for our- The only one with a frontal lobe in that entire group. Mm -hmm. Basically, lesson learned, take your chalupa and go. Yeah, if, mm -hmm. if fucking, if something is a bummer and people are fighting and it's a bummer, just leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so that is my case. And should we hear wow. a word from sponsors as a palate cleanser? Please. 
Yes. We should. We should get a fucking chalupa. It's all I can think about now. Mm. Away is a modern lifestyle brand that creates thoughtful products for every traveler and every kind of trip. They started with the perfect suitcase crafted with features that make travel more seamless. And now when travel looks a little, you know, different than it did before, you can count on Away's range of suitcases, bags, and accessories whenever you take that next trip. I uh, am going to Minnesota twice, actually, in September. Yes, Um, you are. And uh, I am honestly excited to pack my Away suitcases because I, they fit so much. They're so beautiful. They're so durable. They, the wheels, they have these four 360 degree spinner wheels. And so it's just like the smoothest roll, even through like hectic airports, stations, wonky sidewalks, whatever. This bag is just gonna glide like butter and it's never gonna tip over. Mm-hmm. Even if you're sprinting for like your connecting flight, it'll, yeah, it'll I am. sprint with you. It, it'll keep up. I am chronically late always, and this bag can keep up. So whether it's a trip to the corner store, a weekend away, or an extended stay with friends and family, we are all navigating the current reality of, of what travel looks like now. But no matter your destination or style, Away's suitcases, bags, and accessories all come in a variety of colors, sizes, and materials to suit your needs and inspire your future travels. Yes, like Kenyon said, those 360-degree wheels are a total game changer. I also Mm -hmm. love the TSA approved combination lock that keeps all of your belongings safe. It's just, it's a little bit of peace of mind. I just, I love it. Mm -hmm. My favorite feature of these bags are this compression pad. Mm -hmm. So you just stuff all your clothes in there and then you put the compression pad down and you like, you like pull the straps and it just yeah. seals it all the way down. It's very satisfying. You can fit so much in there. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Away products are designed to last a lifetime. So if any part of your suitcase breaks, Away's standout customer service team will arrange it, arrange to have it fixed or replaced. There's a 100-day trial on everything that Away makes. So you can take that product out on the road, live with it, travel with it, get lost with it for 100 days. If you decide that it's not for you, you can return any non-personalized item for a full refund during that period. No ifs, ands, or asterisks. Away offers free shipping and returns on any order within the contiguous United States, UK, Europe, and Canada. That's a lot of area. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of the planet. It really is. So start your 100-day trial and shop the entire Away lineup of travel essentials, including their best-selling suitcases at awaytravel.com slash winecrime20. That's awaytravel.com slash winecrime20 and treat yo travel. Trade. Are we ready for my case? Now. <laughs> yes. No, you're not. It's horrible. Begrudgingly, yes. No. I got my like face. both of you, not going to cover a school shooting. No. And this is like, it was, I was talking to Bill yesterday when I was working on my case. He's Taco like, what's Bill. the topic? Taco Bill. Taco Bill. Like, what's the topic for today or tomorrow or whatever? And I'm like, oh, it's killer kids. And he gives me a look, or killer <laughs> classmates. And he gives me a look like, oh, God. And I was like, well, we're not going to cover school shootings or anything because, like, that would fuck with our mental health. But I found this other maybe worse thing. <laughs> yeah. So 
Yeah. Here we go. It's a real bummer. And sometimes our fan pickers are way darker than Y'all we are. Y'all are dark. Yeah. Yeah. You all need talk space. <laughs> it's also possible that you have seen this in the news recently mm-hmm. for reasons we'll get to. So, like, just don't say anything. Okay. Pretend you don't know. Okay. And I don't usually do this, but this is really, really bad. So just blanket trigger warning. This was like hard, hard to write about. Like hard violence. Like yes. bad. Yes. Great. God. Okay. Jamie Goff was about as perfect a kiddo and student that you could possibly dream of. The 14-year-old oh, no. eighth grader got straight A's, loved to play the violin, had lots of friends, and was all around adored by family, friends, and teachers at Southwood Middle School in Palmetto Bay, Florida. Mm. His talent for violin is what drew him to the school, which is an alternative learning environment with a focus on the arts and has done award-winning work in both visual and performing arts. Mm. Of the many people he befriended at Southwood, his classmates Michael Hernandez and Andre Martin had become two of his best friends. They would start each morning meeting in the parking lot to walk into school together and wait together for pickup after school. One morning, on February 3rd, 2004, the boys met in the parking lot as usual. Andre noticed that Michael was acting a bit odd that day, dressed like all in black. He had a hat on, which, again, he just found like his demeanor and his outfit were odd. Mm -hmm. And it's Florida. So, yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. He had like a jacket, a hat, like decked out. On their way into school, they were getting ready to go to class when Michael asked the boys to follow him to the bathroom so he could show them something. Oh, God, I do know this case. Oh, my God. I know. Andre hesitated, and then the bell rang, and he decided to head to class instead of going into the bathroom. Mm -hmm. But Jamie followed Michael to the bathroom. Michael led him into the accessible stall and locked the stall door behind them. He asked Jamie to turn around, and when he did, he covered Jamie's mouth with one hand and began stabbing Jamie with the other. Mm. Michael stabbed Jamie 40 times before completing the murder by slitting Jamie's throat in the bathroom stall. Oh, my God. And they're fucking friends. They're they're 14 years old. Uh, 40 times. Four zero. Jesus. (sighs) I mean, like, not to be, like, overly visual, but that takes, like, a very long time. uh, Yeah, it's not. It's It's not a slow. It's, like, unfathomably violent. Mm-hmm. is what it is. Jesus mm-hmm. fucking Christ. Mm-hmm. Michael tucked the knife into his backpack, left the stall closed behind him, and went to wash up in the sink. Another classmate walked in and saw Jamie in the stall, like just slumped in the stall, surrounded in, in a puddle everywhere. of his own blood. Yeah. Terrified, yeah. the student asked Michael if he'd seen this, and Michael replied, yes, we should tell somebody. Oh, my God. Like in this creepy voice. Oh, no. I didn't know that part. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then walked out of the bathroom and went to class as if nothing had ever happened. He didn't tell anyone, obviously. Attended class. Yeah. Yeah, went to class. He didn't tell anyone, but the classmate did. And staff contacted police and called for paramedics. But tragically, Jamie had passed away from blood loss before paramedics had even arrived. Yeah, there was like no hope of. He slit his throat. Yeah, there was like, no it was not, way they could have saved him even if they had found him sooner. Yeah. That stall must have been, like, actually covered in fucking blood. Had, had to have been. I, yeah. Thank God there were no, like, crime scene photos or anything to go with my research because I would have lost my fucking mind. So the student who reported Jamie's condition also reported Michael, 
who is pulled out of class with blood still on his hands and clothing. Good for that. He went to class? Yes, yeah. That's what I said. He left the bathroom. I know, but like with his, oh, Yes. God. Yeah. He was taken into custody and immediately confessed to murdering Jamie. The murder is disturbing all on its own, but Michael's confession revealed a dark fascination with serial killers and a long planned out dream to become America's next top serial killer. Mm-hmm. Not like that. No, because, yeah. Well, he's 14. He's 14. He's really bad at it. He's yeah. terrible at it. He had been diligently keeping a journal the week leading up to the event with his strategy, the clothing he'd wear, and all of his victims planned out. So this is from medium.com. Quote, he said he dressed in a jacket, hat, and gloves to conceal physical evidence and then led Goff into the bathroom under the assumption that the hat would prevent him from leaving hair at the scene and the jacket to prevent blood from getting on his clothing underneath. So now, he, it's such a classic 14-year-old mentality of like, I yeah. know certain things. I'm smart. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but then at the same time, just making such fucking obvious unforced errors. Amateur yeah. mistakes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if there was ever a perfect picture of your frontal lobe right. is not developed, right. this whole fucking episode is it. Right. Oh, so the gloves were worn to avoid leaving fingerprints, end quote. After stabbing Jamie in the body and throat, he made sure his friend was dead by stabbing him in the face and scalp. Oh, my God. So it was he was stabbed well over 40 times when you think about at that point, it was likely postmortem because he'd already cut his throat. Oh, my fucking Also, God. face and scalp isn't going to finish the job. No, but. Jesus Christ. It's just, again. I, it's it's horrific. Yeah. God. He admitted in his confession that his friend Andre was also on his list. And had Andre not declined to enter the restroom, he would have killed him as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, God bless you, Andre. So I had heard and and cut me off if you're going to talk about this later. But I just listened to this episode on Generation Y, which mm-hmm. is another podcast that we love. Mm-hmm. Love Justin and Aaron. They're so great. I heard that one, the which my, is Michael the one who committed the crime? Yes. I heard that Michael had attempted to lure these two friends into the bathroom the day prior. He attempted to lure Andre yeah. the day prior, and okay, Andre yeah. said no. Okay. And then he focused on Jamie the next day, but Andre was there. Right, right. And, and then Andre was left. like, I'm going to go to class. Right. It's still so fucking creepy that mm-hmm. Andre had the wherewithal to be like, no, you're being fucking weird. He trusted weird. his instincts. Yeah, trusted and, his you know, and that's not to say that Jamie did anything wrong. No, of no, course of course not. not. They're, they're no, best no, I, I'm not implying. Yeah, yeah. I'm not implying that you're saying that he is. Right. I'm just making it very right. clear that, like, but right. also if 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 either of you at any point in middle school would have been like, "Hey, come to the bathroom," yeah, you would have gone like, immediately. Oh, but you gossip. know, yeah, I'd be showing you I'm like there. the. I'd be showing you like the epic dump I took, yeah. not oh, stabbing yeah. we you. We would in be the, gossiping. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's just, fucking yeah. gross. So it's I read, I heard that, gross. and then I also heard that when Michael left the scene of the crime and went to class, he was like covered in blood, mm-hmm. and the teacher didn't know what had just happened. Of course, so the teacher was mm-hmm. like, "What happened?" And he like didn't didn't say. Or he I like, didn't see that, but made something else up. And then the teacher was like, "Let's go get you cleaned up," and like mm-hmm. cleaned up some of the blood that was on this child in their class oh, God. because of course they would as a teacher yes, of, yes 
You know, yes. they're 14 year old boys. They're probably covered in blood half the fucking time. Yeah. But in at retrospect, the end of the day, it's so fucking gross. Yeah. At the end of the day, that didn't affect the outcome of this case at all because Michael no, immediately confessed. Not. No. And that teacher never could have known that they right. were basically of cleaning course. evidence. Yeah. I didn't of I didn't read not. that detail, but I don't I don't mm-hmm. doubt that it happened because I know he went back to class covered in blood. Granted, he was yeah. wearing gloves, so his hands weren't like red, but his clothing and his pants right. he right. were drenched. He had blood on his face. Right. That he had been and trying teacher, to clean off. And especially if he like hit arteries and whatever, there was like like spraying. Oh, spl- spatter, yeah. I'm I mean, sure. Like, right? I'm sure. I just There's well, no way there couldn't be. Yeah, I just thought that that was interesting. And like I said, they they talked about that on Gen Y. And, yeah. And there are apparently like some like rumors online that the teacher was like covering up for this kid. It's like, no. no. If a child comes into your classroom and you have heard no, no reason for there right. to be any kind of alarm – and the mm-hmm. child comes into your classroom and has like some blood on them. You're gonna be like, what you go happened? to the nurse. Yeah, exactly. Figure Let's it out. Clean you up. Yeah, you help mm-hmm. them. You're a teacher, right? Like you're a caretaker. Of course, right. you're basically a babysitter still at that point when they're 14. Mm-hmm. Like they are such hot messes. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, it's Christ. a tough gig. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So again from Medium, quote: After his recorded confession, Hernandez was charged with first degree murder and attempted first degree murder. So I think they were trying to charge him. For trying to lure Andre as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. He was evaluated by Dr. Vanessa Archer and Dr. John Shaw for competency and both determined that he did not suffer from a mental illness that would have impacted his decision to commit the crime. Mm. However, Dr. Barry Rosenfeld, a psychologist for the defense, testified that Hernandez could be a paranoid schizophrenic. Mm. But without an official diagnosis, the court ultimately ruled him competent to stand trial. Mm. A second competency hearing was held in September of 2008, and Dr. Richardson found that Hernandez had an obsessive compulsive disorder, while Dr. Archer deemed him to be suffering from a dystemic disorder and chronic depression. Mm. That's so hard because, like, especially for schizophrenia... If a kid is 14, it's honestly, like, too early even to, to like, even diagnose. Know. Right. Yeah. It's hard to diagnose in adults, let alone right. in a 14-year-old child. It's like child. he very right. well could have, but, like, you have and to then give in it some time to know. In 2008, he's already been in prison for four years. Mm-hmm. So, like, of course he's going to be depressed right. and have mental health repercussions from that. Right. I'm depressed from listening to this case. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So... Both professionals maintained the opinion that despite these findings, he was still competent to stand trial. Therefore, the court ruled the same. So, like, this was a huge story in the news. Mm -hmm. So to try and find a more impartial jury, the trial was moved to a different county. And like we said, his defense team tried to build a case in legal legal insanity. But since he'd been deemed sane by doctors, Mm. they pushed really hard to work toward that lower standard in the judicial system of mental competency to stand trial. So I I had kind of equated both of them to be really similar. So I just included this little blurb from the NOLO legal encyclopedia because this helped clear things up for me. Mm. So competency to stand trial is legally unrelated to the defendant's mental state at the time of the alleged crime. In other words, the issue of competency relates to the defendant's state of mind during criminal proceedings only, not during the commission of the crime. That makes sense because it's Mm -hmm. like, you you know, you have in order to like even like submit a plea. 
You right. have to like know what a trial is. Know that mm-hmm. you yeah. are, you know, facing trial for this particular Precisely. act. Yeah. So this says, for example, suppose the defendant suffered from severe mental illness when he shot a victim. If that illness prevents him from understanding the subsequent criminal proceedings, he is incompetent and the proceedings must halt. Mm -hmm. Once he's received enough treatment to understand what's going on, he is then competent. And at that point, the case can carry on. Mm. So you can delay trial Mm -hmm. due to competency and and provide mental health care. Mm -hmm. And if... At the next assessment, whenever that may be, mm-hmm. they are deemed competent, then the trial can continue. And I would assume so, that that health care would involve some sort of, you know, restriction of Correct. It's typically going to be in some sort of like, like a, not a state hospital, but like some sort of facility for right. violent or potentially violent, but, you know, mentally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. struggling patients. I'm not, my, my so, words are not coming to me right you now. You are. You know what I'm you trying are to say. mentally struggling, I'm mentally right? struggling. So does this then delineate like a defense of insanity, yes. which would occur during the actual crime so, yeah, and exactly. also mental competency to withstand trial? Right. Right. Things. So because the insanity defense after his mental health assessment, Michael's mental health assessment, was already deemed not a thing because they couldn't get a solid diagnosis that would back that up. Then the defense is like, okay, well, he's 14 and he's clearly off and competency to stand trial is allegedly, according to this law website that I found, easier Mm. to prove than an actual insanity defense because competency to stand trial doesn't necessarily need like a solid mental health diagnosis. Right. It just that, needs the assessment to conclude. That's like the low-hanging fruit exactly. that a lot of lawyers go for. Exactly. Mm. But like we said earlier, he all psychological assessments concluded. He understood what he had done. He understood that he was going to trial. He knew what a trial was. He knew what the potential outcome would be. Mm. He was. He knew what was going on. Right. Okay. God. Ugh. So the judge ruled he was competent to stand trial and given the evidence of premeditation as well as the heinous nature of the crime and all of this is legitimate and also compounded by racism in the judicial system. Mm -hmm. Michael Hernandez is not white. Mm -hmm. Uh, Michael was set to stand trial as an adult and faced a mandatory life sentence without the possibility of parole. So Michael's journals were the most damning evidence produced at trial. Mm -hmm. Like, even because the evidence, and he confessed. So, like, we knew that And there was... Almost an eyewitness. Correct. Yeah. But as we know, the evidence presented at trial and and the defendant's case presented at trial also affects sentencing. Mm -hmm. And so this was like really what sealed the the judge's ruling on this sentence. So the journals revealed a dark fascination with serial killers and his aspirations to become one someday. He had kept a list of people he wanted to kill made up of friends and family, including his own sister. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. detailed how he would kill his victims and then leave their bodies propped up and displayed on toilets. So like he was building an M.O. where oh, he would lure his victims bathrooms. Oh, into the bathroom, weird. kill them and then put them on the toilet to be found by whoever oh, comes no. in there. Which is just another, I mean, I get chills just thinking about it. That's a very creepy detail. Mm -hmm. He had a murder inventory kit written down, which included jacket, hat, gloves, tape, and a knife. 
Regarding the murder itself, he wrote, quote, be quick and make sure to get any blood off. Make sure they are dead. Make sure there is no one in the bathrooms. If so, kill them. I feel like even just the fact that he wrote this down almost proves that he was going through I mean, something. it's clear he's going through something psychologically. I and mean, that's all that is killer. A, all killers are going through something psychologically. Of course, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's 14. Yeah, this is something deeper. Yeah. But that's like that's another failing of our justice system. I really believe because it's like, well, we couldn't solidify a diagnosis in this 14 year old sociopath. Right. <gasps> Life in prison without parole. I guess. Like. I'm not saying that he should be free. Right, because right. Because he should sounds, sounds like this was, I mean, this was completely premeditated and a horrific, brutal murder. Absolutely. And he was, like, fantasizing about it. So, obviously, he needs a no. lot yes. of fucking treatment and care. But I am saying, and have said this ad nauseum a million times before, the American justice system is built to punish, not to right. reform or have any kind of restorative justice. Right. Yes. And restorative justice can only come when we are actually treating the root cause of the issues that are allowing shit like this to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously not what is on the table here for Michael. And, and so it doesn't it doesn't do Michael any kind of service mm-hmm. to just lock him away and never deal with it. To me, I just don't see what the problem would be to put someone in a like restrictive mental health mental facility. health facility. I don't know either. Except that it's more expensive, I guess, and not fucking well, especially for at profit. the age of fucking 14. Well, right. Like, yeah. I mean, the prison system is basically like legalized for profit slavery. Right. So you probably don't get the same kind of cheap manufacturing right. at a, it's a, at lot a state more mental health facility. I guess mm-hmm. it would be the only yeah. d- quote unquote downside. But yeah, I just don't under, like if I was like a victim's family or something, I just don't think that Absolutely. I would have any kind of problem as long as I knew like that person was not going to be able to commit any kind of other crime. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. I agree with you. the money, honey. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Like, seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the journal, he also reminded himself to, quote, thank God for success first. Oh. Very creepy. No. Michael was found guilty. Like like hunting. Like, okay, you you kill a deer. You have to thank the deer. Yeah. You know what I mean? This Mm -hmm. this poor, this child. I mean, obviously, I've. Oh, God. It's just. It's so obvious that something is just very bad. Yeah. Something's rotten in Denmark. Mm -hmm. So Michael was found guilty and sentenced to the automatic sentence of life without parole that in Florida goes with Jesus. These this crime for a minor for that's they charged him as an adult and tried him as an adult at 14 years old. It's fucked up. It is fucked up. What is the point of of having? I know. I know. We say this every time. I know. It's so it's bullshit. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. Like, that's, yeah, the justice system is not built even to make any fucking kind of humanitarian years from now sense. Or even 50 years from now, we're going to look back on this and be like, they did what? I really they hope tried so. Who as a what my, now? Yeah, the my US. biggest fear, and I'll be dead before that happens, but w- that we won't look back on it and, th- and feel that way. Mm-hmm. The U.S. treats this shit so much differently than a lot of other countries around like the world. Like any other country. I was watching a documentary called Shiny Flakes mm-hmm. on 
Mm, Hulu or maybe Netflix. Was I don't it about fucking fish know. food? No, it was about this kid, kid who was selling drugs on like the Silk Road black mm, market mm-hmm. situation thing. I don't even know how that works. Mm-hmm. I, I watched the whole documentary. I still don't know how it works. But he was like fucking he was not legal. He was not an adult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he, they gave him like four years plus mm-hmm. like possibility of parole, something mm-hmm. like that. And he conned people out of like $700 million. Right. And yes, it was financial and like nobody that they could identify died from it. But I'm sure people did die from it because you're mm-hmm. selling drugs on the black market. Right. Mm-hmm. But like in the U.S., that would be like a fucking mm-hmm. throw away the keys. Well, we have one of the highest incarceration rates per capita mm-hmm. of any country in the entire world. Mm-hmm. It's and that is very specific by design. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really fucking gross. In 2012, like we talked about, the parole was put back on the table for him because the Supreme Court ruled that that very year that juveniles could not automatically be sentenced to life without the possibility of parole, that it was unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. Michael, however, would never see the parole board because just this year in April, Michael was found dead in his cell from what was at first believed to be a drug overdose at the age of 31. Whoa. So that's why this has kind of popped back up in the news. So this is from the Miami Herald, quote, according to the report released by the medical examiner's office in Columbia County, Hernandez died of cardiac dysrhythmia made worse by morbid obesity. The manner of death is natural causes. Mm -hmm. The autopsy report answers the mystery about what killed Hernandez, who was only 31 when he suddenly collapsed inside the Columbia Correctional Institute in Lake City in April. The autopsy did not find any evidence of external trauma and did not find he had any illegal drugs in his system, which had been a source of speculation about his death. Okay, so not the drugs, and it sounds like also not COVID. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep. Whoa! Andre, the one who trusted his gut survived and and survived he was driven by his childhood experience and pursued a career in law enforcement which normally i would begrudge but this is not a like white man so i'm just gonna let him do his thing and not comment on it even though i just commented on it (laughs) look i think i think there's a lot that needs to change and if there are some people who have experienced a lot of victimization and have been on the other side of things and want to join yeah. law enforcement and change it from within, then that's great. Yeah, I think the tree Best is absolutely luck. rotten. The tree mm-hmm. is rotten. Yeah. But Andre said in an interview, quote, it absolutely pushed me toward law enforcement, seeing how the detectives protected me and my identity and handled the case. So that was refreshing okay. to hear like a black man who experienced this kind of trauma feeling like he was Treated well and respected by law enforcement Mm -hmm. is a good thing. Jamie's father, Jorge, upon hearing of Michael's death, handled it with an incredible grace that I cannot imagine even being capable of having. Like, I'm not a mom, Mm -hmm. but my God, I don't know how I could just, like, have empathy and forgiveness. Even as a deeply empathetic person, I think that would be very hard for me, given the gruesome nature of how my child was oh, taken yeah. away. If the shoe was on the other foot, I would be the first one Oof. called, like, baying for blood. And that is totally. why I think that it shouldn't be an option on the table. Because exactly. the people that are most impacted by a violent crime mm-hmm. are gonna want vengeance. And yeah, as a society, course. we need to temper that. But anyway. But Jorge is, like, unbelievable. So he said about what he heard about Michael dying. 
He said, we were not expecting that at all. We've been hurt. We don't want to see anyone die or hurt like that. Even though we went through what we went through, we are not happy to hear that Michael Hernandez was dead in jail. Mm-hmm. Which I just thought was like... Very noble. Yeah. To even be able to give that soundbite in an interview. I Yeah, I just give this family so much... Also, like, the fact that these boys were friends and that they were at, like, a sweet little nerd school. I know. Like, they they likely had, the parents likely had a relationship with Michael in some way. Well, also, the fact, like, maybe the reason why they weren't happy to hear that he was just dead of a heart attack in jail is because now their only source of accountability is gone. Sure. Yeah, I suppose it's probably a deeply complicated. Right. Oh, yeah. Reaction. Set of feelings. We're we're speculating at their emotions here. Always. But yeah. Our favorite I also, thing. I don't think that it's just a it's just a case of like that they had empathy or sympathy for this guy. I think it was just like, oh, well, f- he's not suffering anymore. What the fuck are we supposed to do now? You know, I don't maybe. get that vibe from I don't this know. quote could at be. all. It could be. I, I don't mean, know. It sure, like you said, we're speculating about his emotional state, but I don't get the vibe that vibe at all from this statement that he made. And also, they don't need to be mutually exclusive. No, right. not at all. Right. It's I can't imagine. And in a tribute to their son, a street was dedicated in honor of Jamie in 2018. His parents and his and former classmate, Officer Andre Martin, were in attendance at the ceremony in which a section of Southwest 164th Street in Palmetto Bay was renamed Jamie Goff Way. Wow. Officer yeah. Andre Martin. That I know. Makes there's pictures me feel of good, actually. Yeah. Really... There's a picture of Jamie on the drive, of Jamie <gasps> Goff Way on the drive. Oh, Jamie. Yeah. Just like a sweet little. Angel. Really sweet. Mm -hmm. Such a sweetie pie. I just go back to thinking like as a parent, you just you just think that, you know, it's a regular fucking day at school. I know. I know. And it's not like gonna lure my child into the bathroom and stab them to death. Well, how could you ever possibly think that like, you know, and it's not like your kid is being bullied. Mm -mm. There's just They were friends. They were friends. There was just no warning. No, I mean, I feel like if there were warning signs and there were because Andre even picked up on it, right? The the, the day before. Yes, yes, which is fair. But like, and and again, I am not putting any responsibility. And also, we don't know why Andre left the bathroom. Like, it could have been like the bell rang and he was like, I I I gotta get to class. He said he felt uncomfortable Mm. and didn't want to go in. Mm. He he, he specifically said that himself in in future, in interviews. Okay. So we do know that. But if, all I'm saying is, if there were any warning signs at all, the only people who maybe could have really picked up on them might have been Michael's parents. And we don't know. I have no idea what was going on in that household. I don't know mm-hmm. the the relationship stat, like how, wh- where that was at between them and their son. Right. And if, you know, if this really did just kind of unfold over the course of a week, he's 14, he's going through kind of a goth phase, he's writing in his journal, like. Yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to be that narc parent that reads the right. journal. I can't say that there were not moments in my teen years where I was going through shit and like. Oh, yeah. Express myself in unconventional ways. And, you know, granted, I'm not, I didn't kill anybody. But, you know, just to say we can't put any kind of, like, onus or blame on anybody for not catching any of this stuff. Because it's like, teenagers are fucking weird. Yeah. You just yeah. Ne- you just never know. You just yeah. never know. But, like, that, all that to say, you just don't we're not know. parents. 
You don't. We don't know. And I hope that it does your relationships like with your future children. Whatever signs there were, were were pretty subtle. Exactly. So like anybody could be a murderer. Long story short. Oh great. Cool. 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 Trust cool. No even one. us. Even us. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, well, life. Thanks is long. for this episode. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Lucinda. We're fine. Thanks. Jesus. It's really dark and sad, and I need to go eat dinner now. There's we a reason we don't cover go. school shooting adjacent. Yeah, anytime children are murdering other children, it's kind Ooh. of a bummer. Mm-hmm. Well, We're actually, rough. our Killer Kids episode was sort of entertaining, I'm going to say. But let, let, let's just mm-hmm. leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers. Cheers.